0: Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a rising star in the jazz world and a very talented drummer from Hartford, Connecticut, Jonathan Barber. Hello, everybody. This is Leander from Improv Exchange, and today we have Jonathan Barber with us. And I just want to say, you know, the 2018 Mono drummer, Rising Star. So
1: please introduce yourself to the people, sir. Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Barber, and I'm super happy to be here and connect with you and looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, cool, man. So first things
0: first, I just... Tell the people where you went to school, your background.
1: Sure. Um, So I went to um, the University of Hartford, the Jackie McLean Institute of Music um, that was founded by the great Jackie McLean, a legendary alto saxophonist. Um, And before that, I would say my beginning uh, or my beginnings in music uh, started in the church, Uh, Due to my father, Uh, I watch him play every Sunday, so that was my uh, lesson, I guess, or my introduction to music, and um, that's how I gravitated to the instrument, the drums. And then as I got older, I got into jazz music through the Artist Collective, which again was founded by Jack McLean, so uh, Jack McLean is definitely an influence of mine and a, a pivotal figure in my development as a musician and, and, and walking into this profession. So, um, I mean, Hartford is my uh, where I was born and raised, and, and, and it's my home. Um, even to this day, you know, through the pandemic, I've I relocated back, and I um, feel very uh, blessed to reconnect with my community and, and, and to continue my endeavors.
0: Okay, so because you lived in Hartford, is that the reason why you chose Hartford? Did you apply anywhere else? or?
1: Um, no, well, I, I was looking at Berkeley and I, I, I halfway filled the application. Um, but when I first attended the artist collective, we're talking about, you know, junior year of high school. Um, you know, the, it was such a strong community between the, the, uh, University of Hartford and the artist collective again, due to Jackie McLean. So, um, Renee McLean, his son, was the director of over the artist collective, and so once I, you know, attended the artist collective and, and got a sense of okay, I can go to school for music, you know, this can be my, you know, occupation and my profession. Um, it seemed like it was a no brainer to transfer over to University of Hartford because again, the faculty was pretty much the same, you know, which was which consisted of uh, Jack McLean's band. So, you know, Steve Davis, Nat Reeves, Renee McLean, uh, Eric McPherson, um, they were all um, faculty at the University of Hartford. And so it was close to home. And and I I just felt that it was a no brainer to kind of, you know, stay with in my, you know, familiar location and um, go to school there. I get you, man. But. I think most of the people who do know of you know you from your album with Steve Davis. Sure. How did yeah. you get on I mean, that? Yeah. So, I mean, he was my teacher, you know, at, at the University of Hartford. So many, uh, you know, classes and, and many, you know, local gigs that, um, you know, Steve Davis called me for, that was like a nurturing um thing that, that that was happening. One thing that I admire about Steve Davis is that, you know, you can, <clears throat> you know, see him in, in the classroom, you know, teaching. You can see him on the big stage in New York City, you know, performing. I remember watching him with uh the Jimmy Heath Big Band and, um you know, One for All and, and his own project. But also you can catch him <clears throat> in Hartford, you know, playing at, at some local spots. And, and he always would... You know, champion that of of like you know playing in the Hartford community and calling local musicians and just having sessions. And so you know, throughout my time at the University of Hartford, um, I was playing with him a lot. You know, and so that whole team was
0: was that whole team there when you were there.
1: Um, You mean uh, the whole team of Vision Ahead? Yes. And I'm um, yes.
0: okay. Yeah, keep going. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so um the whole team consisting of Matt DeWanzic, Andrew Renfro and Taber Gable. Um I met Gowen um in New York although he's from Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, but he went to Berkeley, but we re uh, reconnected or we connected in New York City. Um, but as far as I'll say that the four of us um definitely, you know, uh, we did a lot of gigs together and did a lot of gigs with Steve. You know, and so, you know, to fast forward to, you know, the present day, um, you know, I did Steve's record, um, you know, while I was in, you know, in New York city. And that was just kind of like a full circle thing of, you know, learning from Steve and, and playing with him, you know, in Hartford, and then even doing some shows in New York city. Um, actually Steve gave my first gig in New York. Um, this is July of, t- of 2008. Um, and so, and then, you know, fast forward to now, to now, um, uh, me doing, uh, one of his records is just, you know, an honor and, and, and. uh. It's a reminder of me being a part of this tradition, and and seeing uh, the progression of my career.
0: Okay. Well, another thing I want to ask you about is your album that came out during the pandemic, Legacy Holder. Yes. What made you actually release it during that time, versus holding it off like a lot of artists? And what was the main motivation behind that versus, you know,
1: vision ahead? Yeah. So I mean, I you know, I plan things in advance. I'm, I'm kind of a, a structured, organized guy, or I try to be. So, um, you know, like the top of the year of 2020, um, you know, I wanted to re- release um, the second record. And, you know, just for protocol of, with, uh, you know, having a publicist and kind of, put, you know, at the time I had a tour together, put together and, and things like that, the timing was was right in the sense of me putting out in May. And so, you know, I kind of stuck to my guns and that was the date. And then um, February and March was Vision Head's first national tour. Um, So we were in Seattle and Portland, LA and Denver and and other cities. And then, you know, the pandemic really hit and we were just in the thick of it. We're two weeks in and then uh, we had to cancel a week early but um, but that was an amazing, amazing tour that we got to experience, um, and you know, just even from that momentum, I still felt that it was right to put it out, you know, in the thick of the pandemic, just because, um, more than ever, especially during that summer, we needed music and we needed uh, to be reminded of the power of music and who we are as artists and how important it is for us to express ourselves, although we are confined to n- not travel and not perform every night. But they did that uh, kill your motivation at all? That The fact you couldn't travel? The fact uh, that you couldn't
0: really promote it?
1: Okay. Yeah, a little bit, but, you know, but there was some good that came out of it. You know, like the fact that everyone was stuck at home, I think it kind of gave some people to like really take the time and listen to it. Like, you know, you're not, you know, like so busy in a sense of going out and, and coming home and you're tired and going out and going out, you know what I mean? And and being so, uh, that hustle and bustle, um, that we all, you know, experienced at one point. Um, I mean, yeah, I I couldn't do my city release show and, and maybe do some festivals and things like that. But, uh, we were able to perform at the Clifford Brown, uh, jazz festival in Wilmington, Delaware. And, um, you know, I think it, 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 it still worked out, you know, for, for what it was worth. And, um, and even after that, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I released um, a live record in October of 2020. Oh, no, um, I did so not know was, of this one. Okay. So this one is, is called uh, Live at Jazz Standard. And so oh. um,
0: <laughs> that's a soft some, spot right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. So to give you some insight with that, um, we did a gig at the Jazz Standard the day before we recorded Legacy Holder. And so I thought that would be a good time for us to workshop the music and kind of get it under our fingertips before we actually go in the studio and record. So that day um, or that evening, we we did the gig and I recorded the gig just to kind of listen to it. And and for me, I, I record all my, my shows. You know, that's just like a, a rule of thumb for a Vision Ahead gig. I just record it just to listen to it, to kind of document it. But this I got. I wouldn't say lucky, but I'll just say blessed and fortunate that it sounded amazing. Everyone sounded good, and I thought to myself like, hmm, like this is really, this sounds really good. Like everyone sounds amazing on it, and now it's like the first take of all this new music that I that so I wrote. Where's that one and, released on? Um, so that I mean, it's released independently, and and it is, and it's exclusively on Bandcamp. And so that Bandcamp. and that was okay. another thing that was in, influenced by the pandemic. So to kind of fast forward now um you know at the time you know the the legacy came out and you know it, it got a lot of good reviews you know it got four and a half stars from downbeat um and i was very you know happy about it and so now that i had that live record in my head i said okay i don't want to wait too long to try to release another record because it's kind of like the same music but it's a live it's a live version it's the live feel you can hear the hand claps you can you know, um, hear the, 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 the forks, you know, on the plates, you know, uh, you know, like these songs are elongated, you know, it's not like a studio version where, you know, it's five or four minute, six minute songs, you know, we're talking about eight minute or there's some song that's, that's there's one song that's 13 minutes, you know, but you get that live feel. And it just so happened that, you know, months later at the, the release, you know, the Jazz Dinner closed. So I, I feel that it was like all perfect timing, you know, for us to kind of keep continuing to share music and to have it on Bandcamp, which is a uh artist friendly uh platform you make more money off that one i you're the first one to say that okay so
0: after the show you give me that link we'll tag that to the podcast we'll do and another thing before we get too off that Mm -hmm. hartford versus new york music scene what is the difference in your opinion
1: Well, I mean, Hartford is is definitely uh, smaller, and it's I would say more family oriented uh, because of the establishment and the works that Jack McLean has done. Uh, You go to the city that is the ocean, you know, that is the mecca of um, this music and the staple Um, all over the world. People pay attention to what's going on in New York City, and I think um, for me to be involved in the scene for these years and kind of put my fingerprint. in its evolution and progression, I consider myself blessed. You know, um, I mean the difference is that um there's just more of there's just more of things, you know, like in New York City versus Harford. Um like in New York, I mean you can, you know, you can play seven nights a week. Everything is open late night. Um and there's just so much you know, if we're talking about jazz or hip hop or funk or electronic or avant garde, or you know, it's just kind of like any kind of lane that you may have a palette for, uh, New York was able to serve that, you know, at some point. So I think that's kind of like the difference. So and you it's, know, um, continue, and, you know, and it's definitely fast paced, you know, there, there's an edge to New York City that, um, that I think that if not most, like all musicians, you know, should try to experience at some point just to get that sense of urgency and get that feel, and, and also get inspired
0: so you as a drummer do you feel you have more gigs and more options because of that
1: absolutely if i didn't move to new york then a lot of things wouldn't have happened you know i mean first off um you know vision ahead we were a band because of the, the university of hartford but we you know we kind of birthed vision ahead. I would say because of our time in New York city and because that, uh, we used to do, um, Monday nights at smalls, you know, every second and fourth Monday, starting at 1.00 AM, um, we, you know, I would run the session there. And that was, a, a, definitely a, the beginning stage of us to, of us being a legitimate band. I would workshop a lot of the music and we would do a lot of original music. And, um, And from there, like a lot of people will come to our shows too, you know, uh, consciously and also subconsciously because Smalls is just one of those places that everyone will hang out at. So after you do like the main set at any venue, you would just come to Smalls and just hang, you know, like a late night. And so if my band was playing, you know, people would just check us out and and be like, oh, wow, like this band sounds good or this drummer sounds good or whatever. So, um, yeah, if it wasn't for that. It wouldn't have put us on this direction so yeah i owe a lot to new york city
0: okay but do you only play jazz or do you play other type of stuff while you're there
1: yeah i mean i was no yeah, I'm I'm
0: asking it, like what is the main thing you're focusing on since you have the options
1: um i mean it's i mean at the at the end of the day it's music but i i guess to kind of put labels on things uh obviously started out in the church i still play gospel music to this day um you know hip hop, R&B, you know, funk, um, jazz. I mean, you know, wh- whoever calls me for a session or a gig and and, and I'll do it. So, I mean, I, I, I will consider um, Vision Ahead to embrace all of those sensibilities. So it has the church influence, it has the, the rock influence, it has the funk influence, it has the gospel influence, it has the jazz influence and everything in between. You know, so, you know, there you have it. (laughs) Okay.
0: So what is something that you have experienced or learned coming out of the academic world into the real world?
1: Um, that preparation is key. You know, I think, um, in school, obviously you are, um, you know, studying music and studying theory and, and harmony, um, and obviously, different courses can kind of hone in on different things. But more importantly, I think you got to take those four years to really prepare yourself to uh, be a good teacher to yourself, um, to study and learn as much as you can, because you're going to be thrown into so many different situations in the real world. And you have to learn really fast and you have to adjust really fast and you have to find ways of, you um, regurgitating music um that can gel with other people give us an example you know. of one or the situation that happened to you um I mean, yeah, like just getting a call um I remember okay, when I first graduated college, um I got a call from Jeremy Pelt to uh, do a tour with him, and i've from that experience, I played with Jimmy Pelt for probably seven plus years or at least seven to eight years um so with that being said like to learn all of his music and to you know embody the direction of his band you know i had to sit and listen to all these records and practice and and understand you know um his influences and and kind of like conceptualize like his direction and also try to add my own flavor and not try to sound like the previous drummer. So, you know, it, 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 was definitely, um, a fresh learning experience to kind of, you know, be prepared. So again, like, you know, I, I felt like I was prepared, um, through, through the university of Hartford, through teachers like Eric McPherson, my drum teacher and Steve Davis and Nat Reeves of doing, you know, gigs and knowing how to, you know, um, how to play in a band, how to balance, how to gel, you know, how to, you know, what to really focus on as a drummer, which is obviously playing good time. You know, I can have all the great licks in the world and I can have the best solo, but um, if it doesn't feel good, you know, accompanying someone solo, I'm not going to get called. So stuff like that. I, I would say it, it definitely helped me to kind of be prepared in the real world.
0: And what is something that people seem to misunderstand about the music world?
1: Um, I would say professionalism, you know, um, and, and like the business of it. So like, as far as professionalism, um, people like being great on your instrument, I think that's just like half of the battle or that's just like a, like a small portion of it because it's about being reliable. It's about being a good person. It's about, um, you know, being dependable, gelling, with your band members, like you know bringing a good vibe to to the bandstand, and also um you know the business of this music industry is a real thing, and I think people kind of you know miss miss that yeah but what you do know? you mean by that man um knowing knowing the business like knowing um not just knowing your worth but um but but knowing how to sustain yourself as a musician and what's Okay, go to that part first cuz I'm curious. And then we are going to be I, sustaining yourself. Yeah, so yeah, so like knowing your worth, like knowing um, you know, there might be uh some gigs that um may not be able to financially sustain you and 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 knowing what gigs to take and knowing what gigs, you know, not to take or or knowing when to say no, you know, it's sometimes um There's a thing called quality over quantity, you know, and sometimes like, you know, people might want to just take every, every gig or everything that comes, that comes to them rather than filtering out what they want to do and what naturally speaks to them, you know, because, um, at the end of the day, you know, like you have to have, um, you have to have like a vision and you have to kind of have a direction and, and, and and goals on where you want to go and what you want to do as a musician. And if you just spread yourself so thin, then I think it can kind of hurt you rather than hinder you. I mean, it can, it can hinder you rather than help you. Excuse me.
0: Okay. I still confused, but you're saying pretty much too much
1: gigs is going to exhaust you. No, I mean, what I'm saying is yeah it, it it potentially can if it's um if it's not like sustaining you like if you're just doing you know a whole bunch of fifty dollar gigs, you know i think your, your your return can may not be as much okay that's that you know I'm that's right. kind of okay what I'm saying
0: makes more sense for me, I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> all good.
0: Okay, that's weird though. So, where do you think jazz music will be in 10 years? With the decline of it, jazz clubs closing, albums being sold
1: less and less. Uh, I mean in 10 years, I think I think the music will still exist. I think jazz will never die as long as people are still on earth breathing and playing the music. Um, you know, I think jazz is definitely a melting pot of so many sensibilities and styles of music that I think um, in the next ten years, it will it will be all these different hybrids and nuances of the music. Um, and i and and I can only imagine just how inspirational jazz is, um that there'll be other artists that will come up that would inspire um, you know, their generation and their audience, you know, because audiences they change, just like. Over time, you know, people, um, you know, change, and um, you know, as far as society and, and, and pop culture, that that changes too. So, um, you know, the music is always a reflection of what's going on currently, and so I, and so as life and technology and politics has as they will change in the next 10 years, I think the music will be a reflection of that and, and it will change as well.
0: Okay. So how do you think your music will change?
1: I think my music will change just by me just getting older and experiencing life. You know, I think every year adds another layer and adds another, and adds another color to my music, um, which is a beautiful thing. And so when I first did vision ahead, um, you know, um that was a, a time period and, and, and I tried to conceptualize life. And as legacy holder came out, you know, that was what, two years later. And so, you know, more influences and more experiences happen. And so when the next worker comes out, I think it's going to just be a stepping stool of, of me reaching higher and my narrative and, and, and my artistry will expand. And so, yeah, um, as long as I'm here, I think it will just only get better and and go deeper artistically already in the works for the next album? I am yeah through this um pandemic, I've been writing music a lot and uh, which is really positive because um I think us as artists and creators, we have to continue to write music. We have to just you know find ways and find spaces to um present music and to collaborate and um and I've been fortunate of doing all of those things. So um yeah, I guess in a couple of weeks, Vision Ahead, we are we have a show in Vermont. We're performing at the Vermont Jazz Center. And then after that, we're gonna go in the studio and see what happens. <laughs> all right, man. Looking forward towards that one. Is it gonna be more fusion type or more straight ahead? What is it gonna you have any idea? Uh no, not really. You know, I just have all all this music. And you know, when I was composing Um, through this pandemic you know I was going through so so many different emotions and so um, and that has definitely been conveyed through the music and all these different sensibilities so you know I have one idea but again you know when it's in the hands of these other four gentlemen you know it can turn into something else so that's what makes it special. Nice
0: okay so have you ever been invited to play on a non-jazz album?
1: Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. um, let me see. Just recently, Terrace Martin, um, re- released the record, I'm gonna say it's called Village Days, and, um, I played on one track called Always On My Mind, and, um, I wouldn't say that's a straight-ahead song. <laughs> so, um... No, just in general, like, non-jazz, just anything. I, I mean, I, I I think that is non, non-jazz, so, um... <laughs> Yeah. My bad. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 All good. No, all good. So, yeah, I, I guess to answer your question, I've been called, yeah, to play with uh, Terrace Martin. Uh, I mean, in my lifetime, I've played with Erica Badu. Um, that oh, was... When was that? This was, I want to say, 2015. Um, I've... I did... It was, it was a performance with the Brooklyn Philharmonic, and uh, we did two... Shows at the band Opera House, and uh, it was like you know a symphony, obviously. But we did the music of Erica Badu with Erica Badu, it was the record on uh, New America Part One because I think she has a part one and part two, so I think this was part one. Uh, so we did all the music from there, but it was just in a uh somewhat of a classical context because you know he had like the strings and stuff like that, but then they hired me as a drummer because obviously there's no drum set um, in in those orchestras. So that was pretty, pretty dope. Nice, man.
0: Okay. (laughs) Got to check that one out also now. So, obvious question, but if you were 18 years old again, Mm -hmm. would you talk them out of being a musician?
1: No. No, if, if, yeah, if I, yeah, if I had to go back in time, like, no, but, um, I think I would, with what I know now, you know, I would, you know, hit myself to some things, you know, uh, you know, pay attention to to certain, you know, things, you know. I mean, sometimes I always wish like, oh, I wish I would have started doing this earlier or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think this is, everything is in its right time. Um, but, um, But, yeah, I would just say, I, yeah, I would just hit my you know hit myself to kind of some things with like technology to embrace that more. I and mean, I mean I was doing that already, but to kind of even go to the next gear um with technology and social media and things like that. What do you mean by that? You're gonna improve your social
0: media presence? Yeah, okay. I mean to okay. that makes yep. sense. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Yeah, man. Pretty dope. I mean, I don't know what you have planned next. In the long run, I expect big things from you, but if you could remove all the barriers, all the constraints, and make the ultimate project, what would it be? Who would be on it?
1: Hmm. Um... I think, um, I would love to, um, it's is like maybe like film, I don't know, like uh, film a movie, um, like film a movie, but then like have like a live band Play so like it, it kind of sounds like uh, Broadway, but not, but not like, uh, but but it's film. So like kind of like film a movie, have like a live band, and somehow like incorporate like a fashion show all in one. That's what I'll do.
0: A fashion show
1: while you're recording an album. Now, a fashion show while watching a movie and a live band is playing. All in one. That is different, I must say. Okay,
0: <laughs> trying to picture how that would work is going to be jazz too, or
1: more fusion based, more what? I think I think it's going to just be music. I think you know, just like, just like uh, you know, you, you you watch a movie and, and 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 it's different, you know, styles of music. You know, the beginning might be a rock feel, or they might go into like a restaurant scene, and then it might be like some jazz. Or it might be like some like something like some horror, and it's going to be this avant-garde style, I think that's that's going to be the vibe okay, I mean, that's just different. I don't know what to say on that. that's good, okay. yeah. well, yeah, I mean you said you know
0: I know no, 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 right? that's good. I don't want a normal answer there. I want something different yeah. out the box. I'm just trying to picture it all together and how you can make that work. Yeah. hmm so what's the best compliment you ever received?
1: Um i don't know i I think that the best compliment is uh i i you know enjoyed your artistry i think if people enjoy it then then uh, you know I feel blessed and, and feel honored you know um i mean obviously with a compliment you you know there's 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 such a wide spectrum you know some people can say oh, like I enjoyed the show or some people can give some great detail. You know, I think the person with the great detail, I appreciate their thoughtfulness, but, you know, that doesn't automatically makes it greater than someone just says, oh man, I really enjoy your your music or your art. So I think all of it, if people enjoy it, I think that's like the best thing that, that I can take away from it. Um, yeah, because people don't always necessarily have to like doesn't have to like it. And, and that's okay too. So if people like it, then I'm like, cool. I'm I feel like I did what I was supposed to do in that moment. That's cool. I get that.
0: <laughs> okay, man. So before we go, you know i like to give a shout out or show respects to the artists who came before us. So I'm gonna tell you an instrument, two artists. Choose one. Okay. Tell us why. Trumpet. Miles Davis, Freddie Hubbard. So you want me to give a shout out to them, or, or no, I want I'm, you to choose which one you had to play with, or have play for you?
1: Oh, geez, that's hard. But I'll say Miles. Why? Um, man, I loved his his vision and just his how he put bands together. I thought it was very um, intentional, and how he the kind of musicality that he got from his band was like no other, you know, from, you know, Jimmy Cobb with Philly Joe, Tony Williams with Dejanette, you know, like each of those bands, um, are very special, very unique. And, and it wasn't like, you know, Miles was completely in the forefront, like, you know, musically or, you know, playing a whole bunch of notes or things like that, but just like as far as he you know, he uh constructed bands, you know, a team, a unit, a sound. And um, yeah, obviously I never met him, but I would love to have play with him and kind of, you know, been more closer to his uh to his genius.
0: Okay. On saxophone, Lester Young, Stan Getz.
1: Um Lester Young I just think he's One of the greatest Saxophone players So I wanna, I wanna be next to the GOAT <laughs> No problem On base Ray Brown Or
0: Paul Chambers
1: Mmm Wow That's a hard one Um Cause they're both Just incredible Yeah that's That's really a hard one But um I would say, you know, I I mean, I guess I would say in this case, Paul Chambers, because he had a shorter life than Ray Brown. So I would love to see him later in life of like how he would have adapted, let's say, in the 70s or the 80s, even, you know, like, would he be inspired in such a way and just be completely different than what the PC that we know him to be? Um, And so, yeah. yeah, that's a good point there.
0: Okay. So on piano,
1: Bill Evans or Duke Ellington? Uh, Duke Ellington. Um, He was like a rock star before. There was a thing called a rock star. So, uh, and he's like the, you know, the, I would say like the, he's on like the Mount Rushmore of jazz. You know what I mean? When you think of jazz, you got to mention Duke Ellington.
0: So, oh, that's a good, a good one. Would yeah. you re- nah, save that for off the air. I'm going to ask you for your Mount Rushmore. <laughs> okay. And mm-hmm. on drums,
1: Buddy Rich or Billy Cobham? Uh, I'm going to say uh, Billy Cobham because he's a lefty and I'm a lefty. You're a le- oh, I hate lefty Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Cause then yeah. you have to switch your stuff around. Uh, well, no, I mean, no, I mean, the the feet is the same, but but it's open handed. I would say, I would say, I play open handed. I'm okay. not necessarily full lefty. Um, I'm trying to think like who plays full lefty, like like uh, like T.S. Monk, like he plays full lefty. Or there's another German name, um, Ozzy Johnson, who played with like Bird and Dizzy. He was full lefty. Um, but you know, people like um, Will Kennedy. Billy Cobham, Lenny White. Mm-hmm. You know, those are open-handed drummers.
0: Yeah, it's just that my experience when you deal, you go to an open jam session and the guy who sets it up is a lefty, it's like, ah. Yeah, with the hi hat and the floor of Tom. Yes. That's why yeah. I'm like, ah. Even the Tom-Toms because the Tom-Toms are on the opposite side. Too. And it's like, okay, guy. Sure, sure. But yep. yes, okay, understood.
1: So can you tell the people, your social media, where to find you, all that stuff? Correct. Yes. Um, Instagram, Jonathan B. Live. So it's Jonathan, the letter B, underscore L-I-V-E. My artist page on Facebook is Jonathan Barber Artist Page, I want to say. Or if you type in Jonathan Barber Artist, um, you'll find me. And then my YouTube channel is Jonathan Barber Live. Jonathan Barber, L-I-V-E. And my website is JonathanBarberMusic.com.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, sir. means a lot. My pleasure. I'm looking forward towards your next one. And actually, I'm going to go find this live album now because I'm actually yep. curious how that sounds.
1: Yeah, so. it's, it's on Bandcamp. So if you just go to Bandcamp. Oh, yeah, and I, I guess that's another uh, plug too. Um, bandcamp.com and then search Jonathan Barber. Uh, you'll get the Legacy Order album and the uh, Live at Jazz Standard. And also you can get the Live at Jazz Standard album on vinyl. So this is the only vinyl you can get a vision ahead is the live record. So that's a nice perk. Okay.
0: Well, everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you all. Have a good night. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.